Okay, so today's daf is daf Lamed 30a, and we are continuing in the middle of the conversation that we started yesterday, which is the fact that if you have a mitzvah haba if you have a mitzvah that is only accomplished through doing a navera to get you there, is not the proper way to fulfill the mitzvah. So the Gemara is explaining that the reason how we know that you can't use a lulav hagazal, a stolen lulav, even on the rest of Sukkot, and not just on the first night of Sukkot, when there is a special requirement that it has to belong to you, well, how do you then understand from there that also on the rest of Sukkot, when there is no special requirement that the lulav comes from your own property, that it is forbidden to use a stolen one? Well, the answer is this idea of a mitzvah hababa avera. So the Gemara now analyzes this further. We are on the uh, fourth line of the page. I'm sorry, the fifth line of the page. Bishlema, the last word on the line. Bishlema, it makes sense, Lefneyush, that if you try to use a stolen lulav before the owner has relinquished hope of ever getting it back. Adam Kiyakim Sorry, not a stolen lulav, but there we are referring to the previous case, which is a case of bringing a stolen animal as a carbon. The Pasik says, Adam Kiyakim Mikem, a person who has brought from you, from yours. Amarachmana, that's what the Pasik teaches us. This animal does not belong to him. So, of course, it's obvious that that's not going to work. But why doesn't it work if he brings an animal after the owner has despaired of it? Why doesn't that animal work as an offering? He's already taken possession of it. Rather, it must be, It is a case of doing a mitzvah that is coming about through doing an avera first, in which case it is not a fulfillment of the mitzvah. What is that which it is written in the Pasuk in Yeshayahu, Isaiah? Ki ani because I am Hashem, your God. I hate mishpat. I love justice. I hate robbery in an oila, in an offering that is meant to be fully burnt. It is a parable to a king of flesh and blood. That is passing by a, the, the toll booth, right, where people take the customs. And he says to his servant, to new mechas lemeichsen, pay the tax to the taxman. Amalei, they said to him, kala mechas kulei shalchahu. The all of the tax ultimately belongs to you. Amalei, he says to them, me many yilmedu kol evrei drachim v'lei avricho atzman min hamechas. From my behavior, people will learn, and no one else will end up paying taxes. Right. So the fact that I end up paying my tax over here, even though it's going to end up going back to me, that teaches everyone how to behave. Says, I hate, I abhor theft in a burnt offering. From me, my children will learn and they will run away from stealing. It was also stated, says, A dried out lulav is not kosher because it's not hadar, it's not beautiful. But a stolen lulav is not kosher. Because it's a mitzvah that came about through doing an avera. And this is an argument with Rabbi Yitzchak. The Amr Rabbi Yitzchak Bar Nachmini, Amr Shmuel, Rabbi Yitzchak Bar Nachmini says in the name of Shmuel, This is only true on the first day of Sukkot that a stolen one doesn't work. But indeed, the Mishnah, when it taught that on the second day of, when it taught that a lulav hagazal is not okay, that's only true on the first day of Sukkot. But on the second day of Sukkot, since you can also be able to fulfill your mitzvah, by, with a borrowed lulav, you're also able to fulfill your mitzvah, Yatsunami Begazel, one that is stolen. Master of Nachma Yitzchak, Nachma Yitzchak asks a question. Lulav HaGazel VaYavesh Pasel. A lulav that is either stolen or dried out is Pasel. Hashaol, but if it was borrowed, kosher, it would be kosher. The implication of going straight to a case of stolen is that anything else would be kosher. 
Amas, when is this so? If we say on the first day of Yom Tev, a barred one will be kosher, that says it has to be from you, from your own property. And a barred one is not yours. So rather we must say that we're referring to the second day of Yom Tev. Um, and still we see that a stolen one is possible. So this is shver. This is difficult with Rav Yitzchak Bar Nachmini, who said that on the first day is a problem when it's stolen. The second day is not a problem. Rabba Amar Indeed, it's referring to the first day of Sukkot. Loimi Amar, and it's a loimi bay. It's a not necessary type of style. Loimi bay is not necessary to talk about a case where you borrowed it. Labdi dehu, it's not yours. where you stole it. You maybe you should say is that a regular case of being stolen is a regular case of Yeish Bailam, where the owners have relinquished hope of getting it back. dummy, and therefore it's considered like yours. Kamash Milan, therefore we tell you that that's not true. So both a borrowed and a stolen are not going to be okay. But borrowed and stolen are in the same category, we're only referring to the first day. Amr Lahu Rav Huna Lahano Avankari. Rav Huna said to these Avankari, people who are selling certain, um, the, the Arba Minim, the four species, Kizav Nisu Asa Migayim. When you are buying the the um, the hadasim from the non-Jewish people, like tigzuzu iton, don't cut them off the tree yourself. Let the non-Jews cut it off the tree and give it to you. My time. What's the reason? Because we assume that typically they actually stole the land, and Allah is like this: land cannot be stolen. Makarka in an exalus, turning to page 30b. Karka in an exalus, land cannot be stolen. Hilkach ligzuzua inu, let them be the ones to cut it off the tree. Gehechi de lahavi yish bailam, because afterwards, whoever owned the property originally will have been miyayish when the, these non Jews cut it off the tree. And then, then will be yish bailam be yadayu in your hands. Didhu, vishino yarashos be yadaychu. And it will be considered a transference of rashos, transference of domain when they give it to you. The Allah is like this. After someone steals something from someone else, it doesn't belong to them. And even after Yish has happened, they still have to return it to them. However, if the person who has stolen it then passes it on to another person, then it's already called Shini Rishus, transference of domain after Yish, Bailam, after the owners have disappeared, and then the Jews would be able to keep these Hadassim. Save, save, ki gazu avankari. So even so, when the non-Jews cut it off the tree, lahavi Yish, Bailam, be yadayu, Shini Rishus, be yidon. Why do we have to say the... the um, that the case is where they cut it down and then they give it over to you. Why can't we say that the Shini Rishos happens, right? The Shini Rishos happens when they give it over to you. You have to say, the reason why he said allow the non-Jews to cut this down is dealing with the case of the non-Jews cutting down the, the Hadassim that belong to the, to the people who are buying it and are going to be using it for their own purposes. So those Hadassim are going to be used for their own purposes. So there won't be any Shini Rishos when the merchant ends up selling it to another person. The only shina rishos, the only transfer, transference of domain that would occur would be when the non-Jew sells it to them. So therefore, they, the way that in which it would work would be that the non-Jew cuts it down, the owner is miyayish, despairs, and then the Jewish person buys it from them for his own possession. Why don't we say that he acquires, there's two different ways to acquire a stolen property after Yish, either with what we call shina rishos, where it changes domains, or what we call shina maisa, where you do an action to change the actual physical state of the property. The Gemara says there is no real action that takes place because a lulav, a lulav does not require ega, does not require it to be tied together together with the other species. So therefore, there is no real action that's going to take place that will be considered like the Jewish person has done a shinoi maisa to take possession of the item after Yish.
after he has given up hope. And even if you were to say that Lulav does require Eged, it does require being bound up together. So you might have said that that's considered a Shinoi Maisa, right? A, 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 a difference that is being done to the object. It's changing its physical status, which together with the Yish, together with the despairing of the original owners, will render it in the property of the buyer. It is a shinoi, it is a difference that will end up going back to its original state, right? Because tying the lulav together, you could untie it very easily. And that is not called a change, that after the change it can go back to its original state. That's not a significant enough change to render it in the property of the purchaser after yish. The Gemara asks, Maybe it should be acquired with the fact that it changes its name. Three different types of changes. Changing possession from one person to the other, changing the physical property of it, and changing its name. Why? Originally it was called Asa in Myrtle, and now it's called Heshana, because now it's being used for the four, uh, the four minim, the four species. Yeah, but that's not enough of a Shinei Hashem. It's not enough of a difference in the name. Because even at the beginning, when people typically, it's true, they call it an Asa, a Myrtle. But sometimes they call it a Shana because it's used for that purpose on Yom Tif. Therefore, they already sometimes call it a Shana. But it's not a significant enough name change to affect the status change of making it from one person's domain to the other in a permanent way together with the Yish. Take care, everyone. Have a wonderful Shabbos.